Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from Sioux Falls, South Dakota in Central Time. That's why we're starting a little bit early today, earlier than planned. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I am super excited to have Jennifer Woodward back on our podcast, our midweek podcast of Health Solutions. Um, and she's going to be discussing PMS and amenorrhea. Uh, and actually what the definitions of those are. So if you don't know or don't believe it's real, stay tuned. Um, She is actually from Functional Diagnostic Nutrition, uh, which specializes in training people to be um, practitioners in functional medicine through nutrition. And as you know, if you follow us at all, uh, Jen and I are two pharmacists that don't believe in drugs to treat most chronic diseases. And um, nutrition, exercise, and sleep plays a big plays a big role in all of that. So, Jennifer, welcome back to our show. It is so good to be here. I feel like now this is just part of my week. I'll be bummed if we don't get to hang out next week. <laughs> I know. I love it. Well, you were such a good guest the first time. I'm like, okay, we got to have her back on. So we're having you on a couple more times. So um, I, I, I really appreciate it. Love your wisdom and knowledge. So um, well, tell us a little you. bit. Thank you. Um, Tell us a little bit. First of all, let's just start with uh, PMS. Tell us about what PMS means and what your experience is with it. (laughs) Well, I could write a book on PMS, both personally and professionally. So PMS refers to premenstrual syndrome. And that, of course, is any cluster of symptoms that a woman experiences before her period. So that tends to happen, uh, you know, the week before, about seven days before she actually starts her bleed. Um, and that's the end part of the luteal phase of the cycle. The luteal phase lasts, you know, any anywhere between 14 and 20 days or so after ovulation. So PMS generally is going to be, you know, defined as a cluster of symptoms, including moodiness, irritability, insomnia, bloating, cramping, uh, a lot of anger, like anxiety and depression can kind of, you know, manifest during that, that, you know, later luteal phase. Um, And, you know, a woman knows if she's experiencing PMS, there are memes that just abound on the internet. There's Facebook pages, you know, you can type in PMS to Instagram and find a lot of of true information and then false information (laughs) on PMS. But it is an issue for so many women, um, you know, of menstruating age, because it's become somewhat of a scourge or a plague you know, on, on Western women, they, they almost use it, you know, as a, like, again, as a meme or a joke, it can be so frustrating and confusing. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of make a joke. It's like, if uh, some doctors don't believe it's real and I, I make a joke that if a doctor doesn't believe it's real, he's, he's never been married or had a, a very close girlfriend. That's um, because it, it can definitely be real. It is definitely real. Yeah. Or we'd say a daughter, right? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, is it a, is it a clinical definition? You know, uh, maybe not necessarily. I do believe though, in the recent issues of the DSM, that it actually is a, a you know, a, 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 a an issue, right? Like, actually. Actual diagnosis. Right. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. And less classified, you know, as a, as a physical disorder is more of a, a mental or emotional disorder, you know, according to psychologists and psychiatrists, which is very interesting because of course it runs the gamut uh, between physical, emotional uh, and mental. Well, and speaking of that, a lot of times what the traditional Western medicine treatment is, is antidepressants. 
Um, yes. You know, which, you know, I, I have a big problem with. I mean, another thing that I have a problem with, which we talked about when we talked about infertility and PCOS is, well, you know, if it's hormonal, we're just going to put you on birth control pills, right? That is the twofold, yes, general prescription would be birth control pills plus an antidepressant for PMS. Yep. Right. So tell us how you were trained through functional diagnostic nutrition to treat PMS. <laughs> so at, at FDN, we say we don't treat anything specifically. We're not doctors, so we don't diagnose, treat, or prescribe. But we look at the body, you know, as a as a non-specific entity, right? So our our kind of founding, uh, you know, starting point is that the body, when it is experiencing symptoms, is in what Reed Davis calls metabolic chaos. And essentially, it is a dysregulation of the HPA axis. So the body can't input these stress signals from the outside environment or the internal environment. And so the brain starts giving the wrong signals to the endocrine system. It tells the rest of the body, you know, to fire inappropriately. And we know that hormones are not to blame themselves. They're simply reacting to a state of the body. Hormones they're just chemical messengers. They don't actually, you know, they're not out to get you. <laughs> they're just responding. Um, so with this, you know, you know, hormonal chaos, HPA axis dysfunction, we're, our bodies are, are, you know, misreading, misrepresenting some of the signals that are coming from the outside. So at FDN, you know, we're looking to uncover these hidden stressors that the body might be experiencing. So we'll go into the hormone system, the immune system, you know, we'll go into the detoxification system, the digestive system, uh, the endocrine system. And we'll do that through a series of functional tests that help discover anomalies in, in all of these systems. And as we start peeling back, you know, the layers of the proverbial health onion and see, you know, does a woman have, you know, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or a parasite, right? Is she experiencing really elevated levels or really low levels of, of cortisol or adrenaline? You know, is she really in estrogen dominance that we can see on something like the Dutch test where estrogen levels are sky high and progesterone levels are are not even on the chart. And so using those lab tests, we're not necessarily diagnosing or treating, but we're teaching our clients to address the anomalies in these systems. And they start feeling better so quickly, right? Because the brain is now getting the correct signals and therefore can tell the hormones, you know, what to do appropriately, especially with that HPO axis for women. So the hypothalamus, the pituitary, and then the ovaries, right? If the hypothalamus and pituitary are firing correctly, interpreting stress signals correctly, then the ovaries do their job. And less PMS. I love it. I, I learn something every every time you're on our podcast. I've never heard HPO axis, and I'm like, okay, but HPA hypothalamus pituitary adrenal, HPO hypothalamus pituitary ovaries. That's Correct. that's, that's yep. awesome. Yeah, and and that is a very you know if you have that out of dysregulation, um, it's gonna really mess with a lot of things, <clears throat> and you're not gonna work optimally. So. Let's talk about the Dutch test. What specifically is that? I, I get questions quite often on the Dutch test, um, or I get questions on, you know, how do I test my hormones? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's three different ways that I can think of right away, right off the top of my head, and that's serum or blood, and mm -hmm. then saliva, and then urine, which is a Dutch test. Go into the Dutch test. Sure. So, you know, we'll, of course, look at all of those modalities. We, we find that blood tests is probably the least reliable when you're looking at long-term hormonal symptoms, just because it's a one-time snapshot. Um, we do love saliva testing as well. Um, 
dried uh, urine test for comprehensive hormones. That's what Dutch test stands for. You can use it even if you're not Dutch. <laughs> um, and the Dutch <laughs> test, you know, is collecting 24 hours worth of urine. So we're looking at metabolites of a lot of the hormones in the body. The reason I love urine testing is because, you know, we're looking at a lot of steroid hormones, sex hormones. Those are bound up a lot of them in our fat tissue. And so if you're looking at a, a serum test only, you're looking at levels of hormones that are in the blood at any given time. It's not giving the right picture, the correct picture of especially estrogen, estradiol, which again is bound up in our fat tissue. It has a cholesterol backbone. It is a sex hormone. So thereby, you know, it's, it's, it's got a fat backbone. So it likes to sequester itself, kind of hide itself in our fat. And for a lot of women, they're nodding. They're like, well, I got plenty of <laughs> I got plenty of that then, <laughs> right? And right. it's it's kind of true. So we do see an incongruency when we're testing, you know, looking for estradiol levels and testing blood or serum versus urine. I tend to see on the Dutch test much higher levels of E2 or estradiol than I do on serum because it's a more, uh, a deeper look, a better picture of true estrogen levels. Now the Dutch test doesn't just test estradiol. It also tests, tests the other two estrogens we have in our body. So E1 or estrone, E3 estradiol. So women don't just have one kind of estrogen. There are three different types and those estrogens can all interconvert right into each other. And we look at a couple different pictures specifically with estrogen on the Dutch. Estradiol is the strongest and most abundant estrogen in the body. So it's going to do the most work at the heavy lifting. Estrone is mostly made in our fat tissue and it's a weaker and less abundant estrogen. And then estriol, um, you know, is, is a lot of what we play around with as functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners. Um, it's E3. And again, it's, it's a little bit less abundant and a little bit less maybe forceful in how it works in the body. Um, estriol, I really like too, because it, it tends to be a, a really indicative of what's going on in our gut health. And we can talk about that later on too, that, you know, as, as FDNs, we're, we are looking at gut health for our clients as well, not just hormones. Okay. So that was a long explanation, but let me be really clear. The Dutch test looks for estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, cortisol, adrenaline, melatonin, DHEA, and then a, an array of organic acids, including B12, B6, biotin, glutathione, um, a marker for neuroinflammation, quinolinate, and um, dopamine and serotonin. So, so kind of precursors to some of those neurotransmitters. I'm probably leaving one or two out, but it's 7 a.m. So that's why. <laughs> but it's a really comprehensive test that gives us a full picture of what a woman's hormones are looking like, again, over a nice 24-hour period of time. We test at day 19 or day 20. So you're fully into the luteal phase when progesterone levels are theoretically the highest. And that's one of the most important markers that we're looking at, especially for PMS when we're running the Dutch test. Uh, that's very, very comprehensive test. And I, and I like the idea, uh, what you said about, you know, a blood test. We get this all the time with blood testing is it's just a, it's a small snapshot in time. I mean, a very small, that's only what your body was doing at that specific time. So if you're testing level of hormones, it's like, well, that's what your hormone was at that time, but we don't know what it was 12 hours later, let alone two hours later. And it could be different. Yeah, and one of the problems I see women aren't necessarily getting their best run at the correct time. Again, we really want to capture that 
24 hour period where the luteal phase is swelling with progesterone levels being the highest. So, um, you know, I've seen multiple occasions where women don't realize that they need to be testing progesterone um, specifically at, you know, day 19 or 20 of their cycle. And so we're getting an errant reading. Uh, the Dutch test has really nice, clear instructions. If you're working with a knowledgeable practitioner, that practitioner is going to guide you through testing correctly for the Dutch, which again, right, right around day nine or 20 of the cycle. That makes, that makes total sense. So um, then what, and then based on the results is based on how you, because a lot of times with the Dutch test, there's methylation issues, um, for instance. So is that something that you really go into and talk about um, nutrients that can help metabolize hormones better? Oh, that's a great question. So yes, this is definitely one of the things we test for with the Dutch. It's one of the first things my eye is drawn toward because the Dutch test does look at different metabolites of estrogen. So as your body, you know, gets rid of that estrogen, which it absolutely needs to do, ladies, it's going to, you know, move it through the body. Uh, with a process called methylation. All right. So we see on the Dutch, it's this beautiful little pie chart. I, I tell my clients that looks like a little Pac-Man. So the body can metabolize estrogen down the two hydroxy pathway, the four hydroxy pathway, or the 16 hydroxy pathway. We really want that nice, clean two hydroxy pathway. And on the Dutch test, there's a little Pac-Man dial or a pie chart um, that shows that two hydroxy pathway uh, as a green, you know, part of the pie. So we want to see a lot of green on that pie chart. If we see a lot of blue or red with that four or 16 hydroxy pathway, we know that there's a a possibility toward DNA damage. And again, we're not doctors and don't diagnose, treat, or prescribe, but the Dutch test does show that if you're popping up with more of that 4 or 16 hydroxy pathway kind of methylation, it can lead to possible estrogen dominant cancers in the future. And so it's really good for clients to run that test like around, you know, their 30s or 40s because we want to, we want to look, you know, we want to see is there DNA damage that's happening right now that we can somehow kind of course correct, which we absolutely can if we catch it early enough. Now, to your point about, you know, what foods, what, what nutrients can support methylation. Um, Chris Masterjohn has one of my favorite, uh, kind of blog posts, uh, maybe, maybe YouTube videos on this where he reports that five grams of creatine actually really increases methylation in the body. So if you are, you know, methylating down a, a poor pathway, I myself would recommend, you know, more creatine for my clients. What five grams is this tiny little scoop, you know, of creatine powder that you can add to your water or your smoothie. He also recommends five eggs a day. Five eggs a day have enough methionine to help the body methylate correctly. And that's a really inexpensive and tasty and easy intervention. Like I know we're going to talk meat here and animal products in just a second, Sean, because I know you, but it's... <laughs> it's just like, man, I'll have clients who come to me, they're eating chia pudding in the morning, they're drinking coffee, like black coffee in the morning, and that's it. They're, you know, having a plant based breakfast. And I, you know, kind of try to sneakily guide them over to eventually eating five eggs a day for breakfast. That shuts down cravings, that helps weight loss, that helps them be in a ordinarily balanced mood with all the choline that they're getting for brain health and those eggs. And it's kind of life-changing. So, you know, supporting methylation pathways, supporting weight loss efforts and supporting brain health and mood during PMS is kind of like magical. So if you're methylating incorrectly or poorly, you know, of course we can add things like B12. I'm not a huge fan of synthetic supplements. I'd rather add the food. So, you know, a little bit of creatine powder plus those eggs can be really life-changing, you know, if you're methylating incorrectly. We can talk supplements in a second, but I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on that. 
Yeah. I, I mean, first thing I think of when I think of creatine is um, I, I think of meat, um, you know, eat red meat. I mean, red meat has a lot of creatine in it. So, and, and like you say, creatine is a, uh, um, five grams is a small amount actually. Now I don't know how much on an average serving of, of beef five grams is, but it's such a small amount, which five grams is about a teaspoonful. Um, you know, I'm going to think if you eat a regular serving of beef, you get five grams of, of creatine, but I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. If you're eating regular amounts of red meat, which I encourage every single one of my clients to do, you are likely getting enough creatine. It's, it's definitely true. And then adding those eggs in again, if you're not sensitive to eggs and some of my clients are right, they're more sensitive to the egg white than they are the egg yolk. And the egg yolk is that really nutrient dense part of the egg anyway. Um, you know, that can take care of a lot of your, a lot of your issues that you're experiencing during PMS on the supplement side, specifically for the Dutch test, because regular blood work and, you know, salivary uh, hormone testing do not test for methylation. But if we do see that, you know, inappropriate methylation with the four and 16 hydroxy pathway, then I love uh, DIM. So methane, And it's, I tell my clients, it's basically like a super sized serving of broccoli or cruciferous vegetables that research shows helps push methylation down the correct pathway, the two hydroxy pathway. And Dutch itself actually has, uh, you know, a white paper showing that within two weeks of using DIM, you can course correct and begin methylating down that, that protective two hydroxy pathway. So since the, the Dutch is expensive, I haven't personally clinically corroborated that because I'm not running a second Dutch two weeks later. But right. when I do follow up with my clients, you know, six, six months or so, nine months after we've been doing the whole dress protocol that we would do for, you know, a PMS or amenorrheic client, um, we do see that the client is now methylating appropriately, but it's a whole gamut of things, not just, you know, a supplement, not just eggs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and eggs are so nutritious in so many ways and so filling. And I got to be really honest with you. Um, I don't know if I, eating five eggs is difficult. I mean, it's a lot of food. Um, yeah. You know, I challenge you, Sean. Yeah. And I can, I'm sure I could do it for sure. Um, but typically we eat eggs and bacon or eggs and sausage. And I tell you, I, I invariably, even if I'm hungry and I'll tell Janet, I'm like, uh, how many eggs do you want? Uh, I want three. If I'm hungry, I'll say I want three. And after I eat sausage and two eggs, I'm done. I mean, eggs are just so filling. So, um, and so nutritious. I mean, you think about what they do what they're meant to do. They're meant to be nutrition for a, a newborn bird. And, mm -hmm. and that's all they eat is mostly the, you know, the stuff inside the egg. So it's got to be full of nutrients to, to, to sustain them. A hundred percent. Yes. 100%. And that, that, you know, you think about it when you look at five eggs on like, let's just say you scramble them. It doesn't look like much you can fit it in your cupped hand. Right. But why are they so filling? Well, it's right. because like you said, they are so nutrient dense, full of fat soluble yeah. vitamins, you know, full of, of protein, full of good fats. And really, you know, an egg is kind of perfect in, in what it provides for us with an appropriate amount of fat an appropriate amount of protein. I usually recommend that my clients, you know, round out that meal with, um, some carbohydrates, um, you know, in the form of fruit, but, um, you know, that's specifically for PMS and, and digestive health. Um, just to touch really fast on this egg story, because I've kind of been fascinated with since I, you know, was studying methionine and Master John and, you know, how nutrient dense eggs are, especially with regard to methylation. 
I have this, uh, well, you know, purportedly vegan client right now. She's actually a physician. She's a doctor. Um, and she came to us with a lot of hormone issues and didn't like to eat meat, didn't like to eat animal products. And so we've slowly been weaning her onto like really high quality pastured local organic eggs. And she's 136 pounds. She had some vanity weight. She wanted to drop. She wanted to get down to like 125 pounds. So I told her I could support her with that as long as we were eating a nutrient dense diet. And previously, you know, she's eating quinoa and chia seeds and a bunch of like cruciferous vegetables cooked in fake butter, like vegan butter for breakfast. And she was just complaining of these horrible stomach aches all day. She didn't realize, you know, that all that fiber, especially all the the FODMAPs based, like slow digesting fiber was just setting her up for a day of, of really digestion and low energy. And as we've slowly tweaked, gone from two to three to five eggs, she's dropped two pounds finally that she hasn't been able, that was just last week she dropped two pounds and we haven't been able to move weight with her since she started about six weeks ago. And she said her mood is better. Her energy is better. She has more patience with her kids, patience with her kids. Her sleep is already better. So I, I, I won't say eggs are magic, but they, they approach that benchmark for sure. <laughs> they do. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So on PMS, we could talk about that for a long time, but since we are scheduled to talk about amenorrhea, let's go ahead and talk about amenorrhea and let's talk about Let's define it first. Sure. So it's the absence of menstrual periods, right? A means not. So no menstruation. Um, And there are really two types of amenorrhea. One is primary amenorrhea. This is when a a young woman doesn't get her period until after the age of 15, which actually was me, even though I'm almost six feet tall, you know, I was really athletic when I was young. And so I didn't get my period until after I was 15. And then secondary amenorrhea is when a woman has a, a menstrual cycle and then loses her period for a variety of reasons. Okay, so um, some of the reasons are, I I think, about hormone imbalance. Um, I think of lack of progesterone um, many times, um, especially if, not if it's completely absent, but if it's uh, or irregular, can be lack of progesterone. Um, Some of the things is um, stress, especially physical stress with with athletes is, is very common. You know, female... Olympic athletes don't typically cycle. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. It's called a female athlete triad. And it's the, you know, the presence of amenorrhea uh, due to heavy exercising and not eating enough. So those three things kind of tend to go hand in hand for women who have too low of body fat to actually have their period. When you think about it, you know, the, the body, especially a woman's body, I talk about this all day long with my clients, like it's so beautifully made and it's so, you know, responsive to like cycles and stress. Like we are meant, whether, you know, you believe it or not, you know, our bodies are the only bodies that can carry babies. And so, you know, we're, we're constantly having to nurture this, this environment that could possibly allow us to carry a child, you know, to a, a healthy full-term pregnancy. And so a woman's body is really, really sensitive to to any change in environment or diet or stress, because the body knows that if things aren't working well hormonally, that it's not a safe environment for mother or child, you know, to, to have a pregnancy at that time. And so, you know, the loss of a period can be a really good indicator that something is going wrong um, from the hormonal uh, perspective for a woman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And in traditional medicine, what do we usually do for amenorrhea? Well, we'll give the pill, but as Laura Bryden says, a pill bleed is not a period. So you're not getting a period. Um, You are getting a pill bleed. Yeah. Um, And so what, what, from a functional diagnostic nutrition standpoint, 
what do you help women with? So this is, this is generally the cycle. I I will tell my women, you know, it takes a hundred days for an ovarian follicle to reach maturity. Therefore we have about a three month window that we're working with getting hormones back online, right? We have three full cycles, theoretical full cycles. Um, we also know that, you know, also as Dr. Laura Bryden says, your period is your body's monthly report card. And so if you're not having a period, you know, basically you're failing, you're failing hormone class, right? But it's really, really responsive. The period and the body's, you know, hormone system for, for a woman in her twenties, thirties, and forties tends to be quite responsive very quickly when correct interventions are made. So I, myself, since I, I, this is what I specialize in, like, this is what I work with women in, you know, every single day, restoring correct, you know, menstrual function, working with women in perimenopause. I've seen periods come back within little, as little as two weeks, you know, one month, two months, maybe three months for those harder cases. But just as we're very responsive and, you know, again, respond by losing our period during times of stress, we respond by, you know, kicking that period back into normalcy when the body is, is functioning correctly when it's given the right things. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, people that are listening and following um, you and us on our podcast, um, it's kind of like uh the same, we're repeating the same thing over and over again. I mean, our bodies are designed wonderfully um, to do things correctly. And, and women cycling when they're younger is a normal thing and cycling regularly. That's what a normal thing is. But in order for that to be normal, you have to give it the right inputs. So like you say, the right food, the right um, amount of exercise. And yes, you can definitely exercise too much. Mm-hmm. The amount, uh, the amount, uh, right amount of sleep. If any of those things are off, that cycle can be off. And I love what your analogy is like a report card. Um, mm-hmm. That's a really good analogy. If 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 you're not cycling regularly, you're you're failing. That's mm-hmm. a that's a sign of getting an F. Um, so there are some things that you can do better. Correct. Absolutely correct. And I will just say again, I attribute that to Dr. Laura Bryden. I did not come up with that myself, but I often find myself repeating it to my clients because it's such a clear analogy. Like they get it. You know, a lot of my clients have kids. They've all been to school themselves. And so, you know, most of us women also want to achieve high grades, you know, from a metaphorical sense. And so once we put that analogy into play, they're working toward, you know, boosting up their, their hormone grade by yes, working on their diet, not over-exercising, not under-exercising, you know, getting an appropriate amount of rest and sleep and, you know, working with the Dutch test to titrate appropriate supplements to really work on, you know, getting them nourished again. And my goal with the supplements side of things isn't just to like quote supplement it's to rebalance and restructure that foundation so the body can kind of do what it's supposed to do like we've talked about this before sean our our food system is so broken you know we're not getting the nutrients and vitamins we need through food for for many reasons even for women that eat a you know whole foods diet our soil is just so depleted they're not getting that magnesium and b6 and zinc that they should be getting so you know looking at the dutch and supplementing intelligently and appropriately helps get that cycle back online very quickly too well, and sometimes the supplementation is going to vary. Actually, I should say most times the supplementation is going to vary at first while they're changing other things. Mm-hmm. So for instance, the, you know, if you change somebody's diet and you add eggs to their diet and you add more meat to their diet, red meat to their diet, they might need certain things to supplement with at first, like creatine, for instance. But once they get regulated um, and, you know, eating that regular diet, they might not need to supplement anymore. And that's always my goal. Like I, I tell them again, supplements are just a supplement. They're a short-term intervention. My goal is to have you need 
zero supplements. And on top of that, my goal is to have you not need me, you know, like you want to learn to do the things that are your birthright as a human, um, to understand your body, to eat appropriately and to, um, you know, not need these interventions that so many people are searching for thinking that the answers are going to be in, you know, the answers are in the very simplistic, holistic foundational things that people can do no matter, you know, how much you have to spend on healthcare, how much time you have, you know, in your day, these things are, are very simple to restore hormonal and period health. Absolutely. So as we wind this podcast up, um, Jennifer, tell us what you have a passion for. Well, as you can tell, my passion is periods and perimenopause. Like these are my people. It's what I'm living myself. You know, my whole friend group, we're all going through it. You know, my clients are all going through it. So the more I learn, the more I, you know, dive into the research, the more I see um, in my clinical practice, the more passionate I am about helping women through this really confusing time in life. It doesn't have to be confusing. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. And it certainly doesn't have to be painful. Um, again, as I just said, you know, there's, there's just such simple interventions that you could do. They're not easy. And that's the, you know, kind of distinction. They're simple, but not easy. Um, but man, restoring period and perimenopause health just... It's one of the things that gets me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> well, and because our pharmacy, uh, Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy specializes in hormones, that's why we keep having you back. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I love being here. I just love getting to talk about these things with you and Janet. <laughs> so tell us a, a little bit about functional diagnostic nutrition. So functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com is where you can find out more about what I do. I've been certified since 2016. I am obsessed with this method. It is just a brilliant way to help restore hormone and digestive balance. So if you want to, you know, work with an FDN, you can absolutely reach out to us on this website. If you want to do what I do and get to run some of these cool tests and work with people yourself, then you can see there that top button says book a call or enroll. Now the course is fantastic. It's self-paced. You learn so much, all these labs that I'm talking about, you're actually running on yourself. So you are your own first guinea pig in the course and it's life-changing for so many of our students. It really is a cool process that Reed's developed. Yeah, I, I love having you guys on. We've had well, we've had Reed on, we've had Evan on, we've had a few of your practitioners on, and I I really love what you guys are doing. And it's so, you know, one of the things I think is so powerful that you know Jan and I are pharmacists, and you know we don't largely believe in most drugs to treat long term chronic disease, and because we 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 really really want to stress lifestyle type interventions, and that's what you guys do. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing the work you're doing. It comes from an on high place here with two doctors, two pharmacists, you know, spreading this word and message. It's really powerful. So we appreciate you right back. It is. And somebody appreciated us. They just gave us a good thank you on here. GTS share said that. Um, so thank you for that comment. And uh, as always, Jennifer, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, I think we are, do have you scheduled again next week. Is that correct? It might be next week. I can't wait. I, I don't know. Either. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be in contact when it's when it's time. Um, I, I appreciate your knowledge and wisdom. And you're, I, I, one of the things I like is you keep things so simple and give great analogies. And I love that for myself, especially because um, it makes me, it makes it easier for me to remember things. So thank you for being on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. Thanks to everybody who's hopping on with us today. And thank you, listeners and viewers, for listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Monday to our regularly scheduled podcast, 1230 to 130 Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for listening.